Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And be inspired and just make a small movement because you can be in a different place seven days from now with your idea. You can be in a different place in a relationship that's toxic in your life if you just have a discussion and decide that it's enough of the suffering, even if it's been all my life and I'm just going to distance myself for this person. So like, I don't know, I just want to inspire people to take action because we're only a few decisions, only a few behaviors, only a few days, only a few weeks from getting much closer to where we need to go versus... Stuck. There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Jeff with me today. Jeff, how are things down in Jacksonville, bud? You know, Florida is much more notorious during these times of pandemic than I'd like. So we are famous worldwide now, especially the bars in Jack's Beach. As soon as uh, we reopened up after COVID, everybody got sick. Some of my friends were on CNN. <laughs> That's the end of the story. Wow. It's great. Apparently, we're not very responsible denizens of the world. <laughs> everybody just wants to have fun, right? I mean, apparently, Florida does. And here we are in Jacksonville Beach. But lovely day here, 70 degrees in winter, light winds, can't complain. Yeah, it was 28 degrees when I was running yesterday morning. So I get it. Before we dive into the podcast, how can the listeners get in contact with you? Yeah, so the main place you can go is jeffvin.com. That's Venn, V is in victory, E-N-N, like those Venn diagrams we learned in math. There's two little circles that overlap. So jeffvin.com. And there you can learn about my digital agency, how I'm into millennials, and some other cool things that are going to happen in the future, God willing. Beautiful. So this is the first conversation I've had with a digital marketer. And I think everybody's trying to master that. Anybody who realizes the power of the internet realizes that they've got to figure out ways to get their message to the masses. And then probably the most efficient and inexpensive way to do that is through digital marketing. And so let's talk a little bit about your agency and then we can move over to what you're doing with 
uh, the millennial business owners? Yeah, for sure. So digital is a great space to be in. We should all be using digital and even traditional businesses. Think about if you you know, we're a restaurant. You really didn't need a website as much now. All of a sudden, like online ordering has become a thing or, you know, used to get re- uh, business off trade shows or in-person events. Well, all of a sudden you still have those relationships and they're still having the trade show and it's all digital. And then for, you know, people up and coming in their careers, say you're in your, your 20s and 30s and trying to chart away digital, it gives, you know, you drone me the ability to literally live and work from anywhere. So as long as you can get your deliverables done, and deal with time zone challenges, you can literally be anywhere in the world. So, uh, you know, the internet access is pretty ubiquitous these days. So yeah, I love digital. So yeah, way back in 2005, which at the time of this recording is 15 years ago, I launched out on my own. You know, I'd taken the pretty typical corporate path in my 20s. I'd, you know, gone to the university in the town I grew up in. I got a computer science degree. I minored in graphic design. I went to work for the big corporation in town. And after doing that for five or six years, I had pretty good success there. You know, I was in IT and it was a pretty big shop. It was a 2000 person company. It was the water, wastewater electric company here in Jacksonville. So there's about 2000 employees and the IT department was about 200 people and uh, had a really good run there. It was early days on the internet in the early 2000s and uh, got to do some cool stuff there and ended up being a director. But you know, I kind of had what would be my parents or my grandparents' dream, which was it was a job with a pension. And for those of you who don't know what a pension is, that's basically like, you know, if you work there for 30 years, so let's just say I started it at 22. If I worked there till I was 52, I'd retire with 80% of my salary for life. So forget what happens to the stock market, anything, this, that, and other. You know, I'd be 52, apparently with lots of years left to live, and then I could start enjoying life and I'd get 80% of my salary ongoing. But after about six years, I uh, had a good run there, really liked the leadership team I worked with. I just got bored out of my mind. You know, there wasn't work from home. I lived at the beach. I loved to surf and spring would come and the waves would be really good in spring. And instead of going surfing, I'd have to drive 40 minutes all the way downtown, park in a parking garage, walk across the street, go up 13 floors. And the culture there was civil service, right? It was like a city owned thing. So a lot of people just didn't do jack shit. So the, the job probably only took four or five hours a day, yet if you were in leadership and you weren't there, eight or nine hours is a bad look. So it came down to the decision about six years in, you know, it was going good. I was making decent money. I had this pension thing going and uh, I, I was sitting with the 10 leaders, right? And we were having a meeting. I looked across the table and this guy, much my senior, uh, dearly respected guy, he had been there forever. He's about five years from retirement. He didn't make that much more money than me. He made like, I don't know, just like five or 8% more. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to sit in this freaking building like the rest of my life. You know, what was I at the time? Maybe like 25, six and just sit here for like 25 more years, make marginally more money. And then about 30% of the staff of that company as in any civil service organization didn't do squat and should have been fired. So there was a level of frustration there. So, you know, I made the decision to just launch out on my own. And at the time it was a little scary. I was married and I had one kid, right? And my, and, and, and my wife at the time was a homemaker. So but I was young. I was ambitious. I didn't want to drive all the way in town. I didn't want to work on these projects. It took like eight years to finish and all this stuff. So I did it. You know, that was in 2005. And here we are in the wonderful year of 2020, which everybody's loving a lot, I hear. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you make the leap. And what do you do first? Yeah. So the first, the, Dude, the first years are scary, right? There's a point where I, I could always go back there. I left on really good terms. They even tried to hire me many years later, but 
I, did, I had a plan. So um, I, I was doing like little web design on the side and I knew how much money I needed to make a month. So I'm just going to make up numbers. Let's just say I needed $5,000 a month. So I said uh, to live. So I said, you know, when I can get $15,000 of work on the books, that's about three months of work. And then I had a little bit of savings because we got some family money because we were a young family, had the little one-year-old and the, the wifey and all that. So yeah, I, I worked for about six months. I, I had a goal of 15 hours a week on the website stuff. And I had a goal of getting about three months of work lined up. And that was a great plan. So I hit those numbers like uh, against the behests of my mother. My dad was kind of into it. My mom was like, dude, you're crazy. And some people were like, why are you leaving this? You know, I went out on my own and I was like, if it fails after three or six months, I'll just go back. And uh, that's how I got like the, the courage to pull the cord because I knew I could go back. And I knew if I if the worst case scenario, if it just fell flat on its face for three or six months, like, you know, maybe I'll go through some financial hardship, but it's certainly not going to break me the rest of my life. And so you get the work lined up. So you have a soft landing, you jump out of the plane, you got a soft landing. Some people have hard landings where they have nothing and they're trying to build a parachute on the way out. Right. Yeah. But then it got bad though. Cause here's what happens. So websites take notorious long. So in our digital agency today, like uh, about 40% of our work is building websites. So let's just say you're a chiropractor in Jacksonville, Florida. So we'll build your website. So about 40% of it's one-time work. The other 60% is recurring. We'll run their Facebook ads, their email marketing and stuff. But at the time, it was all website work. So do you think those realtors I was working with and that chiropractor too finished their project on time? Heck no. So like I'm doing everything. I, I, I was a computer science major, minor in graphic design. So I'd, I design the websites, I code the websites, I do the sales, I do everything. So yeah, I have this beautiful like three month plan. You know, it's October, November, December. There's $15,000 lined up. I need five grand a month to live. And then people start not finishing projects. You know, it comes down to this like one project closing in December to make the month. And uh, it was scary as crap. So I'm not going to lie for like the first six months or a year, there was a, a heavy hustle there. And I remember, um, real quick story, I, I got about 10 months in and, and I was kind of making it right. Cause you know, I've been doing it and I was like, all right, I'm not going back to, you know, the municipality to work there, but man, I had someone was not going to pay $7,000. I had this little like consulting thing I was doing and, um, I, I ended up getting the money, but man, if that seven grand didn't come in, cause remember, I think at the time if I was after, I need about five grand a month to live. I was just like, I was going to be in a, like a, oh crap scenario where I was either like borrowing money from mom and dad. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but at some point you're not really getting out of the hole. You're just digging a deeper one. So I'm not going to lie about 10 months in, it did hit this line where I was like, I was like, geez, dude, if this like $7,000 check doesn't come in, a couple of deals don't pop, you know, I might not be cut out for this, but that part wasn't as scary as it seems, you know, at the time. And uh, I, I got through it. And since then I realized I can make it through almost anything, but yeah, those first years, you really got to stick with it. And um, it's cliche to say that, but you know, you really got to want it because the, the alternative is pretty bad. I didn't like where I was, right. It was the corporate was sucking my soul. Like as cool as the leadership team was, it was just a boring grind. And I don't know about you, Jerome, but I run into so many people and maybe some of our listeners get the Sunday scariest. Heck, maybe they're even about to go out on Saturday night at six and they start thinking about work and bumming people out and stuff. So, you know, it's going to hurt either way, but uh, with that entrepreneurial mindset, man, it's, it's up to you to succeed and, and you got to put in the time and work because otherwise you're going to go, you know, back to waiting tables or whatever thing it is to get that quick money in the door. So you knew what you needed to survive. I've talked to a number of different people and they'll be like, I was like, what's your survival number? What do you got to have? And like, I don't know. 
what do you mean you don't know what you <laughs> like how did you come to the place where you, i guess you were pre- living pretty financially disciplined and you knew exactly what it was going to take in order for you to be okay yeah so i joke right now so i answer that question in a roundabout way like it's important to know numbers so i'm i'm like not a CPA. That's my like least favorite skill, but I I do get finance strategy and stuff. And I'm not that good at saving actually. I'm good at making money and spending most of it. But yeah, I always had numbers. Like think about it. People like, let's just take weight loss. Let's just show the power of setting a goal or a number for anything. Like I had a number of hours I wanted to work per week to see if I could even like get business. Remember I had two jobs. I kept the main job and then that 15 hours a week goal. Like I'm going to work 15 hours a week, Let's see if I can build up some clientele. So I think in any case, the number's there. Because here's what happens. You know, have you ever met someone that wanted to lose some weight and the new year comes and they're like, yeah, yeah, I need to tighten up. I need to lose this, that, and the other. And like, they don't even know how much weight they need to lose. They pick some giant number like 20 pounds. Well, they probably carried that 20 pounds for many years. So like, that's not... That's not going to happen. You're just going to flip a new year. You're going to blow out the holidays. You're going to eat a bunch of food. You're 20 pounds overweight. And you're just going to randomly be like, I'm going to lose weight. Not a good goal. What could be a good goal would be like, you know what? In the first two weeks of the new year, I'm going to freaking stop processed foods. I'm going to get on cardio three times a week. And I'm going to see if I can lose five pounds of water weight, right? So I have 20 pounds to lose. I've carried it for a long time. So instead of just being like, hey, New Year's in, I'm going to be in my best shape ever by March. No, take two weeks. You can go to that gym, like stop that processed food, weigh in twice a week and you'll get so much closer. So I think in any area, and it's not about being greedy and wanting to be a millionaire or just needing, you know, a thousand dollars to survive. You got to know those numbers. Otherwise, like you're, you're flapping in the wind and it's not going to work. In the case of losing the weight, the person's not going to lose the 20 pounds. I guarantee you we can talk to them in March and it'll be a totally arbitrary result based on their life circumstances. You can't improve what you don't measure. It's true, though. Have you experienced that? Like anything? Without question. Without question. I mean, as long as you're checking it, it improves or because you're paying attention to it, it improves, right? Just by virtue of doing nothing and then deciding you're going to do something, the thing improves. Uh, and I mean, without question, that, that makes tons of sense. So I often hear a lot of people say, Jerome, I want to grow my income and my side hustle to more than what I make or equal to what I make in my day job, working on it part-time. What do you say to that, Jeff? So A, having a goal in any kind of movements for progress. And over time, you'll see if, it, if it's viable or not. So yeah, side hustles, for sure, the best way to start, in my opinion. That's what I did. Because uh, then you're not like racking up a bunch of credit cards or, or going out on a whim. And you could kind of test stuff in a controlled environment. So um, let's just say someone's making $50,000 a year and they want to make or exceed that. Well, that's good. So now they have this $50,000 number. Let's just say they're a little ambitious and they want to make 80 grand because that's a fairly decent goal. Like 50 grand to 80 grand, that's quite a big increase. So let's just say you're making $50,000 and you want to go out and make 80 and you got the side hustle idea. Well, give yourself like 90 days, set a three-month goal, like launch your idea, launch your product, make some sales and see if you can get any traction. So let's just say you're selling merch or I don't know, doing affiliate sales or whatever in those three months, just be like, you know what, realistically, based on what I've seen in this industry, how much time I can put in at the end of three months, you know, can I, you know, clear $10,000 knowing most of it will probably come at the end of three months, right? Cause I got to do the work and get it sold. And then if you can get to like that $10,000 milestone, you have a much better idea if that business you're working on is going to work for you because if you didn't make 10,000, but you made six, well, how can in the next three months you can make 20? Or maybe that wasn't the idea for you. So I think um, 
Can you take any big idea like, hey, I make 50 grand, I want to make 80, and I got all these side hustle ideas? Well, great. Get out of that big ethereal space, like burrow down to like some three-month pretty uh, strict plan and actually go do the work. Because a lot of times, you know, we're like the person who wants to write a book. The book never makes it to publishing. So the person goes to every uh, dinner party, every place, and they're talking about, yeah, I'm writing this book, this, that, and the other, but like it never gets published. So I think, you know, set that 90-day goal, uh, take those baby steps and see if you can execute that. And then you can worry about, can I even make 30 grand? Can I match it at 50? Can I make 80? And you'll have a much better idea. But once again, that takes going out of the idea world, having fun talking to friends world and just talking about it to actually, you know, putting some teeth in it and doing it, right? Got it. You got to take action. The idea is worthless. <laughs> it is. And action's simple, right? Like you, like just spending an hour researching something to set a 90-day goal is action, right? But people won't take a baby step, right? They'll have these big goals. You'll see them the next weekend. You're like, what did you do? And they're like, oh, yeah, I was going to research cameras so I can like photo shoot this product I'm going to sell. And they didn't do nothing. So I'm like, all right, good luck. <laughs> What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, you're going to be right where you were last time we talked. So, all right, you leave, you go do the thing, right? You start the agency. When did you realize that I've got to keep going down this path? I'm not going back to get my pension. I'm going to do this. I'm all the way in. I call this a red pill moment. Yeah, that's actually a really good question because I I did get through it. So, you know, it's 2020 and I started in 2005. So I'd say like about 2007 or eight, I knew I could do it. I, I, okay. So this is a good point. I'd actually, by the second year, made a little more than I made um, at the corporate world. And the year after that, I made a little more. And so I kept kind of gradually you know, increasing by like 10, 20, 30%. It was pretty organic, but I'd say about three or four years in. And the crazy thing that was happening is, is, is the wife at the time, she was the homemaker and we ended up having four kids together. And that's gone really well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kept popping out babies and I had this nut that I had to maintain. So I, I not only was I making it three or four years in, but I had this uh, pretty insane concrete responsibility of putting the bread on the table. So while it was highly motivating, at times, man, sales can be a whirlwind. And I, I didn't know how to delegate good. And, you know, I started learning how to fire myself, you know, from certain things like coding the actual website took a long time. So let's just say I sold five websites. Well, at the time, coding a website took 30 hours. So if I sold five websites, I got 150 hours of just not talking to anyone work just to take that design into a working thing. So that's an example of one of the first things that I hired out for. But then, and I'm sure you experienced this, the moment you hire someone, you know, you're taking your precious little $5,000 that you needed to live on and maybe you're making 5,800 and now all of a sudden you're paying someone else. So in business, there's always that tension of like, hey, I'm doing everything, I'm bootstrapping, but then you hit that burnout level or you hit that dissatisfaction level where like if I had to code another website as much as I like coding, it took so long. It was just literally driving me insane and taking me a lot of time. So uh, a lot of times in the business, you know, because three or four years in, like you, you asked me, I was making it, but that's why I had to start making those those harder decisions and mature because ultimately if you do it all yourself forever, you you've basically just made a glorified job and over time, your quality of life will probably suck, A, because it gets boring, 
and B, because doing everything's really hard from finance to sales, from like a customer that wants a refund to all of it. So at some point, you got to really become the leader and you had this brilliant idea. You had enough gumption to execute on all the parts well enough to succeed. But at certain points, like I told you, I was never good. Don't hire me to be your CPA. Never going to be a CPA. Like get the stuff off your plate that you're not good at and grow your business. And then at some point, and this was like four years ago, it really started to run without me having to work as much. And I got to lead people. I got to grow people. I got to work, you know, 25 hours a week, 30 hours a week, slow week, 15 hours a week, yet results were being achieved. And then finally, I'm in a place and I really love it now to where I have three leaders that, that run a lot of the day to day. I love them dearly and they love what they do. So I have this tight little like think tank pod and together we make decisions and they're the ones running forward and carrying a lot of the work forward, which is why I'm on this podcast with you today, Jerome. So yeah, if you can stay with it, you can go to some really beautiful, magical places, which for me is the eight hour work week as of late. Beautiful. So Jeff, how'd you learn how to sell? Because that's everything. Well, okay, so you don't have to necessarily sell. So there's a couple of ways. Like I, I, I love people. I'm very persuasive and charismatic. Uh, so that's a gift, right? So I lucked out on that front. I love presenting. But a lot of times you may do, you know, your website may do all the selling for you. Or as soon as you get a few deals under your belt, you can hire someone that loves to talk, that loves to interact with people. So selling is super important. But there's a lot of ways to sell these days, including digital only, meaning like when I buy a shirt, I don't need to talk to someone about it. I just need a really good website experience. I need that little ad to follow me around the web and that discount code to pop up. Or if you, you can sell, but it takes a lot of mental energy, like me doing the invoicing in, in accounts receivable took a lot of energy. It just drained me as small of a time it took. For some people, they may not be good at sales, but there's there's someone junior. There's someone that that wants to sell your product. There's someone that wants to interact. So I would say people can fall in those categories. They, they either like it and they want to refine it and get good at it, or they can do it well enough, but it drains them. So they need to get help. They need to better qualify people. Maybe they get handed the deal right when it's really hot. Or a lot of things these days, you don't even talk to someone. It's like a chat bot or like, you know, if I'm buying a shirt, I don't need to talk to anyone. I'm looking at shirts. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of how I look at sales in a business. Yeah, it does. In this instance, it's more of you are naturally gifted, right? It just came naturally to you. And so by having those skills, you've been able to be successful at it without a lot of work. Well, I'll tell you this, though. there's this club, and as cheesy as this sounds, uh, Toastmasters. So Toastmasters has units like all over the world, and it teaches you public speaking, and it's super fun and enabling, because if my research is correct, the two things we fear the most are death and public speaking. So if you can go to Toastmasters for six months and you're, you're a scared little entrepreneur, or maybe, I don't know, you're middle-aged and you're, you're launching out on your own, Toastmasters will just knock that fear right out of you. Because once you stood up in front of that group and they kind of like love on you and help you, you realize you didn't die, right? Instead, you actually gave a pretty decent presentation and got some good pointers. So there are ways to uh, put yourself in an environment. And uh, I did some Toastmasters and uh, it, it really helped. It worked. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So Jeff, what's been your worst fear along the way? And how'd you overcome it? Jeez, dude. So I've had a lot. So I've been in a much better headspace the last three or four years. But when I, I, I was in my, my 30s and just say seven, eight, nine years in, I had the whole team remote. I'm a real social guy. And I did all the stuff. And I, I built my business with like utter control and attention to detail. And now like I'm letting go of that control, which is ironic. It's a really hard thing to do. But uh, yeah, just that you know, you want to do everything perfect. You want to do everything right. And, and honestly, you know that um, 
mythology, that Greek mythology. I think it, who is it like Syphilis or whatever? He rolls the rock up the hill every day and it just falls back down on him. You know that one? Yeah. Like every day his task is to like start on the bottom out. And, and, you know, finances get tough, right? I mean, this has been a tough year for us. We've, we've done okay, but it's down, you know, with the pandemic and just that fear of financial failure, the fear of like a couple deals not landing, then behind on invoicing. And you can just get stuck in these loops in life and business. And uh, for a while, man, I just felt like life was on repeat. It was like the same old crap every day. It was like vanilla ice cream with a caramel swirl. Next day, vanilla ice cream with a strawberry swirl. Except maybe it was poopy ice cream. It was kind of gross, but I got stuck in that place in a while. And uh, I, I, I did everything digitally. I didn't delegate and I stayed quite a few years like that. And if you're an entrepreneur, and what really helped me get out of this mindset was getting coaching and getting in like mastermind groups and accountabilities because, you know, without someone to challenge you when you're you're dealing with the day to the day of the business, even though it really didn't take me more than 40 hours a week, that was my reality every day, just driving in website project number 232. It just lost a lot of its shine. So I think it's important, just like we're doing right now, to connect with others, to get in a mastermind and you know, coaching is expensive, but there's affordable ways to do it. You know, I've gotten good coaching in the hundreds of dollars per month. It can go up. But if you really get a mentor or you get someone that's really like invested in you moving forward, uh, you can have those creative breakthroughs and you cannot stagnate because I spent about four or five years pretty stagnated, had four young kids at home. I was a sole breadwinner. Granted, I was working, but man, I felt like that that person, this rolling the rock up the hill every day, I'd get it way up there and roll back down. A couple of days I wanted to quit, but guess what? A lot of people were depending on me. So there was no option to quit, which made the suffering even worse. So yeah, that was my fear, man. It was kind of hell for a while, but luckily that was five years ago. And, and knowing what I know now, I don't have to like live that way anymore. So what made you actually get coaching? Yeah. So <laughs> it was so funny. So when you're busy in the business, let's just say you're, you're doing some online store and trying to build a brand, I don't know, selling clothing and merch, like you're so focused on it and you let it consume you. And it's like, you're everything. And for a while, like it can serve that place in your life. But what you'll find is your, your social life uh, drops off or like there was a time when I drank a lot, you know, and I never drank to the detriment of my life, but I drink liquor like four or five freaking nights a week, which is kind of like functional alcoholism. So I find that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get so obsessed and so focused and it's good for a while. And for a while we can sustain it. But eventually, man, life's a pie, dude. There's family, there's friends, there's spirituality, there's physical fitness. And so a coach will come in and not only in your business and the way you think about your business kind of break you through. You might be like, oh man, profit margins too low. Or, oh, I can never hire someone. Every time I hire someone, they flake out. So a coach in your business can really help you with breakthrough thinking, but also a good coach, like you started your business to feel a certain way, to add a certain value to the world, to have a certain lifestyle. So a coach will help pull those things out of you. So instead of like, I was just stuck on website number 232, behind on invoicing people, and I got a sick kid at home and repeat that loop every day. The coach was like, hey man, you need a better invoicing strategy of which I say I suck. And they're like, well, it's not that hard. Like document your process and maybe could you afford a cheap CPA? And all of a sudden, boom, coach took that financial invoicing stress off me. Life got a little better. I got a little margin and breathe. And then two, if at the time I was in masterminds or doing things like I'm doing now with you, I'd have new ideas come in. I'd see people in the same boat and I kind of like, you know, stay moving forward. So that's, that's kind of where I landed with that stuff. And I'll never look back. I know I don't have to go back to that dark spot because if you stay connected and open to others, if you seek out coaching, guess what? It'll come and, and you'll be all the better for it. So Jeff, what are you most grateful for? Oh man, I, I love this question. So I love to journal, right? Every day, three, four, 800 words, free form sometimes, sometimes answer a question. But 
You know, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for this idea of life. I look at life with a capital L. I look at life in all caps. And, you know, if you think about what the chances are, Jerome, for you to be alive, if you're listening to this, the chances, uh, Neil Tyson deGrasse, famous astrophysicist, said this, like the chances of us like having life, of me being aware of this being called Jeff, this entity called Jeff, um, it took so many failed attempts at life. I mean, think about for one rose to grow up and blossom, like how many rose seeds fell? How many little roses got up a little bit? How many droughts came in? But but finally, like after a bajillion rose seeds, there's finally a rose plant that grows and not only grows, but produces life. And so, Jerome, for yourself, for me, for, for the listeners, we it's like we won the lottery a bajillion times over. That's what Neil Tyson DeGrasse said. And when I think about that, it's true. So... For this this brief moment, these you know 40, 50, 80 years of, of consciousness and awareness, I call that life. And for that, I'll be forever and all grateful because it was a wild friggin' ride. Beautiful. Beautiful. What gift are you giving the world? You know, it I I'm obviously very energetic and enthusiastic, and I, I generally roll like this all the time. Every now and then when things don't go the way I want, I start getting out sledgehammers where they don't need to be applied. But yeah, I'm just here to like if you're listening to just just light a fire inside of you. You got it within you. Those gifts are within you. Those things are within you. You feel them even now. And you just like Jerome and I were talking about earlier, just need to take a baby step and be inspired and just make a small movement because you can be in a different place seven days from now with your idea. You can be in a different place in a relationship that's toxic in your life. If you just have a discussion and decide that it's enough of the suffering, even if it's been all my life and I'm just going to distance myself for this person. So like, I don't know. I just want to inspire people to take action because we're only a few decisions, only a few behaviors, only a few days, only a few weeks from getting much closer to where we need to go versus stuck. Kind of like I was describing in my business for a while, you know? So I just inspire people to take a baby step and, and get out there. And then guess what? you and I'll be bringing good vibes to the world because we're not getting crushed by a toxic relationship. Our business is actually having some good turns happen into it, even though it might still be hard. So yeah, I just want to keep people like lit up and inspired and, and just, you know, have a zest for life. Beautiful, man. You're like a poet out here, man. All right. So the final question, Joe, is what's the one thing you want the listener to take away from our conversation? Yeah. So I want, Honestly, like we, we kind of know what to do inside of us and in every situation of life. If we get quiet and we just like trust ourselves for once and our, our intuition and take a baby step. So I want the listener, you know, they're having something in their life that they want to have a breakthrough with, that they want to take a step forward with. And I want them to like to like get silent and kind of find that space and find that next step. But this time, actually take that baby step, make that phone call do that research, put in that four hours. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm all about. Taking a baby step, forget all these big ideas, all this good stuff, all this mess or whining about stuff all the time. No, get quiet, find out the next move and actually do that thing. And it's a self reinforcing cycle. You do it a little bit, you get a return, you do it some more, you get a return. And all of a sudden, just like Jerome, you took the red pill, you're changing people's lives. You know, I've had my own journey. I'm making an impact on others too. And all of a sudden, instead of eating from this little pie, this little plate where it's running out of food, like there's more portions to be had. There's more to share and serve. And life becomes quite a joyous experience. And it can. You just got to take a baby step, have that awakening within and do that thing that you're called to do. Jeff, this was an amazing episode, man. I'm so grateful you were so generous with your time. 
I think so many people are caught up in this space of massive action. You got to do massive action. And I believe it all starts with a baby step. Yes, you need to know the North Star. You need to know what the final destination looks like. But it's all one step. What's the one thing you can do right now to move you towards the goal? And then you do the next one over and over again. So, Jeff, I think that was amazing, amazing, amazing feedback for the listeners. And I look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Peace out, Trev. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too, man. Guys, this is the last ep- or this is the end of the episode. Your dreams should be real. And you hear that from me very frequently. And I want you to go out and take that baby step. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.